0: welcome to the Voice of the Child podcast. I'm Natasha, your host, and today we're going to be looking at how the coronavirus outbreak has been affecting families' contact sessions with their children in child protection cases. To chat about this with me is Sarah, not her real name, a mum who's been through the family courts and who lost her son to foster care. Sarah now has court-ordered contact, which she says has been disrupted by the outbreak. Hi Sarah, your son is currently in foster care and you've been given court-ordered contact. What was contact like for you both before the outbreak began and what kind of contact do you have now?
1: We were previously getting 1.5 hours um, every fortnight supervised. It was a couple of months ago in the community, then all of a sudden we were put back into the contact centre. Currently, we are getting phone
0: calls. Did you ask for phone calls?
1: We've actually asked for video calling for a number of reasons because we have one of our children in our care and he he's too young to understand not seeing his brother. And it's actually the phone call causes him a lot of distress. Um, I have contacted, emailed the local authority with the multiple platforms that they could use, such as Zoom, Skype, um, to be facilitating video calls but we've just been told now that various reasons around it such as the foster carer doesn't want it, issues around confidentiality, um, just gen- generally because of the coronavirus so we yeah it's currently a phone call.
0: So the foster carers wishes and feelings have at this point been prioritised over potentially the children's need to see each other? Yeah now, you've obviously been through court proceedings, um, and you've experienced the the process yourself firsthand. And there are a startling number of things that um, you've explained to me um, that have happened to you during the court process, which didn't feel right or just. The first one was the the judge's insistence on placing a great deal of weight on hearsay evidence. Can you offer a little bit more information about that?
1: Um, the majority of our case actually fell on hearsay evidence. Um, we have very openly struggled um, with my eldest for a number of years now. We reported that we have asked for help whereby the local authority um the majority of their reports state that we were non-engaging apparently we've been offered various assistance over the years and that it's been refused um it's the majority of the statements in our case are quite subjective reports about the social workers kind of thoughts and feelings um it's yeah it's it's For me, that was a massive thing to get my head around for family court, how it does appear that a great deal of weight is actually placed on you know what the social worker says about you if you're not able to be developing a good working relationship with them as you know as just kind of a normal member of society within these situations you're vulnerable to whatever the social worker wants to be putting there are no safeguards in place for families um it's yeah i i, I guess up until we were took through this process we didn't actually realize that It appears to be what it all falls on. It's whose reports can come across as being the most... um, uh, I don't really know the best way to be putting this, but it's. I would say that a lot of these social workers appear to have very good creative writing skills.
0: Well, I think that's a a criticism that a a lot of people... um, level at the the social care sector another is in relation to expert witnesses you had an expert witness a psychological expert in your case and the court accepted evidence from this expert on topics that she didn't have any area of expertise in can you tell us a little bit more about that
1: yeah um we well we had to go undergo um psychological assessments um within that she stated her um that our case falls on attachment disorder, that um, I have traits of personality disorder, which for me, um, it is actually an area that I do have a fair bit of knowledge about. Um, if you actually read the literature, the whole population has traits of personality disorder. The reason being that we all have personality. Um, the For anybody that doesn't know, psychological reports are routinely used within family court and it's you are pretty much interrogated for a number of hours where you are just asked about your background, your upbringing um just you also have to undertake multiple like ticks tick box questionnaires um and to me that is what for a lot of us your family fate falls on and um, the conclusions from the psychological assessment were that i shouldn't have any of my children and um, in in terms of the son that is still out of my care and um, one of the concluding comments was that he needs better than average parenting which to me that's you know surely that in itself shows that is there really an issue with the parenting and that we can't look after him? Or does it show more that, you know, there just isn't the services to actually be supporting us? Because what is an average parent? By, By stating he needs better than average parenting, would that not suggest that we were giving him what you would consider average parenting? But I guess that we're just not better than average.
0: Well, you actually had a lot of support from your independent social worker who you had an excellent relationship with. But but during the court process, the judge in your case placed an enormous amount of weight on the local authority's evidence and bypassed the independent social worker's evidence completely. What was your relationship like with the independent social worker throughout the case?
1: At first, we probably didn't get off to the best of starts. Um, I'm quite outspoken. I'm quite a loud person. Um, I have learning difficulties of my own. Um, She said to me at a later date that to be able to develop an effective working relationship with me, she went and she reviewed the Dyspraxia Foundation um, website page, which enabled her to get a bit of an insight into how people that have learning difficulties may may present um like some of my biggest issues are i can be quite repetitive if i don't get the answer to something um You're just quite vocal and quite loud at times. After that, we actually got on really, really well. Um, It felt to me that she actually came in with a fresh set of eyes. She, unlike the local authority social workers, she listened to us. Um, I feel that she was very empathetic towards our family. Um, To me, she actually... She came across as a human. She didn't come across as somebody that was just trying to dictate to us exactly what we should be doing. She spent the time listening to us. Um, yeah, just a lot of the qualities that I think are lacking from the local authority social workers.
0: A significant portion of the local authorities' criticisms levelled at, at you specifically is that you were very difficult to work with and uncooperative. What's your view on the relationship you have with the local authority?
1: I think the relationship with the local authority probably broke down because to me, it appears that if if you expect to be worked with straight away, you're kind of, you are looked on as just being a bit of a troublemaker. Um, I i am quite knowledgeable around certain areas that the local authority look into. I think that if if you expect them to kind of reason to you why they're telling you to be undertaking certain interventions, if you kind of want any kind of a conversation around it straight away, you are just, you are a troublemaker. It's not I, I think that they they like the submissive personality types where it's like Do this, do that, do this, do that, and from my from my take, there was a lot of it that I couldn't agree with because it didn't feel right for my family but they weren't even prepared to be getting into discussions with it. Um, I I couldn't understand a lot of their reasoning behind certain things that they would tell us. I mean, we had incidences whereby over-chastitising was one of the comments that was frequently throw, thrown out, and it was like incidents whereby if my son would run off Um, One of the comments from one of the local authority social workers was, have you tried reins, baby reins? One of their explanations was that, you know, maybe that would work having a wrist strap to mine and to my son's. Um, My son's quite tall for his age. Um, I don't think it's very appropriate to be, you know, that these types of restraints are for toddlers for safety reasons. Um, If... You know, if we trying to put in place boundaries, sending him to bed early, apparently that was being emotionally abusive. Um, taking things away as a form of punishment, that was being emotionally abusive. Um, even if he was throwing these items at me, um, we couldn't, we weren't, there was no discussion kind of around alternative solutions. It was just everything that we did, it was perceived as being no that's abuse. No, that's abuse.
0: No, that's abuse. Well, you've shown me uh, very kindly uh, a genuine extract from your son's diary, um, which is also made um, up uh, into the, the uh, court bundle that you've had in the past. It's present in there. And it reads, I miss my family so much that I want to cry, but cool dudes don't cry. They are so amazing and nice and cool. I want to lift the roof, but it's too hard to break off because how sad I am. I'm confused, angry. Social workers said I would live at a better place. That is a lie. Miss my family. Miss mum, really. Now, given that care orders are supposed to be the last port of call, they're considered incredibly draconian and probably one of the worst things that can be done to to any family in terms of how it affects them. The court went ahead and ordered a care order for your son. That is, despite the fact that the independent social worker offered a raft of alternatives that could have been considered by the court. Why do you think the court chose to ignore your independent social worker's solutions?
1: I would like to say that, you know, the court has the best interest of the child, but I um, don't. I honestly think that for anybody that doesn't know, 83% of children in care have a form of SEND, which is special educational needs or disabilities. Um, Early resources are being shut year on year. I unfortunately think that due to various reasons, such as neoliberalism is probably the key one. It's easier to remove a child into a system which opens up grants and various funding than what it is to try and support the family at home with absent resources. I I just don't like the whole logic to me. I mean, that entry from my son's diary I came across one day um, and that, you know, it's he- hearing that that's what your child writes. You're you're not told any of this stuff. You are told about how happy your child is and how settled they are. And um, it's just not the case.
0: <laughs> well, you've just made an incredibly important point about children um, with special needs. And I think it's also a public interest point in that we're talking about a significant number of children going into the care system with these needs, uh, particularly autistic children, who appear to be very underrepresented and there doesn't appear to be that much training in relation to how these children are being cared for or assessed within the system. How do you think that lack of understanding has impacted your case?
1: I think that's what a lot of our case comes down to. I honestly think that, you know, research, uh, research has shown us that one in every hundred people are likely to have some form or be, be somewhere on the autistic spectrum. It's not, you know... There's there's a wealth of like literature out there, such as from the Great Ormond Street website that actually discusses that if if we identify these needs early enough, you you know, we, we can use an evidence base to be putting in place effective strategies um, because as a family, you know, we just couldn't cope. Our situation has been breaking and breaking apart for years, which anybody that knows our family knows. Um we asked for help time and time again. Unfortunately, the help. It's just not there. I mean, like anybody, you've only got to put into Google about the send crisis to see the lengths that parents have to go to to be trying to get support. I think that unfortunately we live in a society whereby it's easier to just say that it's bad parenting than to actually acknowledge the full scale of the crisis that is being caused due to just the poor distribution of resources and the shutting down support systems.
0: And now you found yourself exposed to yet another crisis in the form of the coronavirus outbreak and how that's impacting your current contact with one of your sons. There's also been a, a guidance issued by the president of the family division Advising people on how to organise themselves in private family law cases, so those typically dealing with um, divorced or separated parents and how they should be conducting contact during the pandemic. But there's no such guidance for uh, public family law cases or cases involving child protection. What do you think about that?
1: What I don't understand within all of it is that if you look on the list of children still to be attending school, looked after children is one of them. I had a discussion with somebody before that told me that that is because um, placements, apparently high numbers of them break down during the school holidays which you know considering that within all of the paperwork that you will have that the child is being well looked at after by an adequately you know trained person to see to their needs yet you're happy to be exposing my child to a risk by putting them in school but you don't feel that you know that there's any need to be giving them contact with their birth family during this period I mean. My son has never liked health stuff. He's always been quite funny about it. Um, when when you have supervised contact, you're very limited on what you can actually ask your child, um, because if if you go onto anything that they may perceive may upset the child, um, then they kind of like cut the conversation off or they deflect it. Um, not knowing at the moment, kind of how how my son's actually feeling, how he's actually coping. Um, he's always been a very active child. I can't c- can't see him coping with having to be sat indoors for ages. Um, but social services just don't. I think because of the whole secrecy that surrounds child protection and that surrounds the family courts it's an easy thing to just kind of ignore because unfortunately nobody really does advocate for our children and nobody advocates for us.
0: And in that vein, as you were going through the process of your own court case, there were a number of things that came up that you felt were never properly dealt with. One was this issue of your son being tested for autism. Was he ever tested for autism or given any kind of proper investigation into that particular condition?
1: No, absolutely nothing. And the biggest kick in the teeth is that, you know, we had asked for support for years. For me personally, it's not about labelling my child, but it's about the fact that you come to a stage that you realise if you don't have that label, the amount of support that is shut off from you, I mean, even within the, um, the psychological assessments undertaken, they they can't rule out that he may have some form of additional need. However, they're just using that it's due to an attachment disorder um, because that fits the abuse category. Whereas anybody with any background awareness of um, any kind of, yeah, like and any kind of a learning difficulty or disability is that the overlap with attachment disorders you have to undertake proper investigations to actually be seeing which one it is. We, we've had none of that. We've never had any of that stuff undertaken.
0: The lack of these sorts of common sense solutions and ensuring that important things like this are dealt with are naturally going to cause a huge amount of anxiety and mistrust amongst parents going through the system who don't feel they're properly being um, looked after or taken care of. But this issue of mistrust is one that you experienced yourself during your own process and created a stark contrast between your relationship with the independent social worker and the social workers for the local authority. Tell us a little bit about the issue revolving around the the drug abuse allegations in your case.
1: Um, I don't deny that I have used drugs in the past, not for a number of years, not to any kind of dependency level, but recreationally. Um, One of the threshold reasons for removing my children was that my erratic behaviour is caused by my drug taking. Um, As a standard procedure, I was not drugs tested. I wasn't actually drugs tested until a couple of months later. As soon and even in court, um, when a drugs test was requested, one of the comments out, one of the legal team's mouths was, well, who's going to pay for that then? Um, The drugs test did come back clear and then it was never mentioned again. And in my case, taking a bit of an unusual um, way around it, I I actually had a year um, like hair strand test undertook when three to six months worth is usually the kind of standard practice. Um, But yeah, completely clear. And then um, just never mentioned again.
0: Nobody apologised to you?
1: No, absolutely nothing. It was just never mentioned
0: And nobody at any point in any report explained that this wasn't an issue and something that shouldn't be brought up or held against you during the proceedings?
1: Nope, it was a threshold um, comment.
0: And in terms of your son now and, and the contact that you are now having, we may be on lockdown for six months, we don't know. How do you think the current contact that you're having will affect both of your sons?
1: massively um my youngest is too young to understand not seeing his brother um he gets quite distressed with the phone call because he's wanting to show him things he's wanting to see him um for my eldest he's really really good and he does try and go along like like pretending that he can actually see what his brother's trying to be showing him but i guess it's not you know children grow up so quickly, and to know that potentially um we're not going to see each other for however many months um children are not like immune to what's currently going on. They're going to know that this is quite serious, given you know like the full scale of the lockdown. I just hate to think how my son must go to bed every night thinking that you know he's not seeing his family. It was raised in a review this week about how he gets quite nervous about contacts, wanting to know the schedule. Um, prior to this, our contacts were positive. Um, it, to me, it's, it's, it's just a really barbaric way to be treating children and their families. There is nothing child-focused about, during a pandemic of all times, alienating families. There is nothing, you know, there is quite a lot of stuff recently published in the past few years about the importance of like the sibling bond. Um, There's like two documents, one's 2015, one's 2017, both government documentations that actually speak around the family working. They all highlight kind of like the lack of it and that it comes from a strategic level. I just don't get that. You know in, in all of this a care order is only supposed to be in place when nothing else will do to me it kind of feels like it's used as a punishment for struggling families and just yeah just during a pandemic kind of not not being able to see your child so not to actually know kind of how they are feeling because you can only get so much from a phone call you can't actually kind of you know see it in their eyes how they are um it's just horrific
0: If you had one message that you could deliver to the family courts, what would it be?
1: In January 2020, there are seven parents that we know of who decided they could no longer take the pain of being separated from their children. And they decided to end their lives. We had Caroline Flack a number of weeks ago who there was all this public outcry about be kind um, to each other, you know, kind of we we have at the moment, there's that Every Mind Matters campaign campaign, um, The family courts, I think, need to realise that the damage that is being done to children and their families is just despicable. Any process that drives parents to the edge, making them feel that they have nothing left to live for, needs re-evaluating. This pandemic will pass and life will return back to how it was but for as long as the family courts remain a secret place, you are going to keep having parents and children that decide that the pain of separation is too much and give up on their one and only life.